I received a comment on a YouTube video recently that gave me pause and that I thought would be good for me to respond to in a video. And the commenter basically said, Zach, it's been nine years since you wrote your first book, Overcoming Retroactive Jealousy. How are you doing? <laughs> Is retroactive jealousy still an issue for you? And so in today's video, I'm going to do something which I don't often do on this channel. I'm going to share a little bit about my personal life and I'm going to share what it's like to overcome retroactive jealousy and talk about whether or not retroactive jealousy is still an issue for me in my personal life. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and since 2013, I've been helping men and women from all over the world, every continent, overcome retroactive jealousy, overcome obsessive jealousy, save their relationships. If you'd like more information about me or my work, please visit my website at retroactivejealousy.com. So it's hard to believe, or at least it's hard for me to believe, that next year, 2022, uh, will mark nine years since I wrote and published my first book, Overcoming Retroactive Jealousy. It's even weird to say that out loud because I can't believe uh, where nine years went. And needless to say, there's been a lot that's happened in my personal life, in my professional life. There's been an enormous amount of changes since then. Uh, I am not that guy anymore that wrote that book, but I'll get to that later. Needless to say, when I wrote and published Overcoming Retroactive Jealousy, there's no way that I could have predicted that today, nine years later, I'd be doing the work that I've been doing, that my story with retroactive jealousy would end up on the front page of BBC News and all kinds of other crazy things. Needless to say, I could have never predicted that. And to answer the original question, how am I doing with retroactive jealousy in my personal life? Is retroactive jealousy still an issue for me in my personal life? The first answer is, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm really, really good. Uh, I couldn't be happier. I mean, life is fantastic. I get to live the life that I want. I live in a beautiful country. I'm living in Indonesia right now. I have an incredible woman in my life. I get to do work that I really, really love, frankly, that I think I'm good at. I can see the results of my work. I get emails from people who've been benefiting from my work, from my one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, or from taking my online course, reading my books, people like you posting nice comments. Uh, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I really mean that, and I really feel that. So to answer your first question, I'm doing great. <laughs> and thank you for asking. Second question, is retroactive jealousy still an issue for me in my personal life? The answer is no. And this is not a sales pitch. I mean, I look back on the relationships that I went through in my life, particularly in my 20s and up to now, I'm now in my 30s, and I'm just filled with this incredible sense of gratitude for the incredible women who've come into my life since I struggled with retroactive jealousy many years ago who've been with me on this journey of healing and transformation and growth and discovery. I mean, when I say I'm a lucky man, I really feel that in my bones. I'm so lucky that some of these women have come into my life and taught me certain lessons. And I feel extraordinarily fortunate to have been in the relationships that I've been in. And frankly, retroactive jealousy has not been an issue in those relationships. And it's not an issue in my current relationship right now. And if you think about it, I mean, really think about it. Try to put yourself in my shoes. If there was ever an opportunity for me to be triggered <laughs> or, or for me to have some kind of retroactive jealousy relapse, I mean, I'm the perfect candidate for that. Retroactive jealousy represents a huge portion of my working life, of my professional life, a huge portion of my day, every day, pretty much, at least every day during the week, is devoted to thinking about, talking about, writing about retroactive jealousy. I got on coaching calls with men and women from all over the world every single week. And I've been doing this for about, I guess about the past eight years, literally every week, hundreds and hundreds of calls. I have no idea how many. 
And you know, often these people are sharing pretty graphic, pretty intimate details about their sex life, about their girlfriend's past sex life, about their husband's past sex life, whatever, all these details. And frankly, a lot of the time, these details are absolutely necessary for me to help, for me to offer my feedback and support and techniques and practices. These details are important. But anyway, the point is, if there was ever an opportunity for me to be triggered, it's literally every day of my life. And frankly, I don't go through that. It's not like I have a call and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about my girlfriend's past or it's a big issue for me. You know, it's, it's really not. And it hasn't been so for the past eight years. And frankly, anyone who's watching this video who's struggling with retroactive jealousy, you know what it's like. If that was an issue for me, if I was getting triggered all the time by YouTube comments people are leaving on my channel or a coaching client or all the rest, I wouldn't be doing this work. Like, this work is not worth struggling with retroactive jealousy again. It's been a long time since I struggled with retroactive jealousy, but I remember well how terrible it felt. I remember the hell that I went through as a result of retroactive jealousy. And frankly, this work would not be worth it if it was taking a devastating toll on my relationship, on my personal life. But thankfully, that isn't the case. I can truly say that retroactive jealousy is not an issue for me anymore. I'll also say something that I've devoted a lot of time and energy and attention to, I'd say particularly, you know, in my late 20s, was getting really, really clear about my boundaries and values in relationships. Exactly what I was looking for in a potential partner and exactly what I wanted to screen out for. Because I think it's very important to get very specific about exactly what you want and exactly what you don't want in a person, in a partner, in an intimate relationship. It's important to clarify your relationship goals. What do you want in terms of a partner, in terms of a day-to-day -day relationship? How do you want your relationship to sort of feel day-to-day? -day? You know, what are the emotions that you want your relationship to help inspire in you? What do you bring to the table? What could you offer to a potential partner that might be attractive, that might be appealing, that might be valuable? It's important to think about this stuff in practical terms, I believe because I believe doing this helps you avoid so much of the chaos and the drama and the massive arguments and fights and clothes thrown on the lawn and you know she's scratching her uh, name into your car paint with her with her house key or like all kinds of craziness you know I've avoided so much of the chaos and drama and divorces and nightmare breakups that so many of my friends of the same age have gone through and I think a big reason why is not because I'm so brilliant and wonderful. I really think it's because I'm very, very clear and frankly unapologetic about what I want and what I don't want. And thus, in the past when I've been dating, when I've been single and, and sort of you know, finding out what's out there and exploring my own values and, and boundaries and relationships, eventually I got to the point where I could sort of screen out very, very quickly if someone wasn't offering what I was looking for. If I encountered, frankly, what I might consider red flags. And that sounds harsh, but I really think this is important to get really clear about what you want and what you don't and to be unapologetic about that. Because if I don't want something that someone is offering, if I don't want someone, this is not an indictment of that person. And you shouldn't look at it that way. It's not that you're condemning that person to be single for the rest of your life. It's about knowing at a deep level, you know what, this person might be wonderful in all kinds of ways, but you know what, they're just not the right match for me. 
Goodbye and God bless. I hope you find someone absolutely wonderful. I hope you find something that you want and that you need. We're just not a good match and there's nothing wrong with that. Because someone could meet me, go on a few dates with Zach and decide, you know what, Zach has some red flags. <laughs> Zach, Zach has some, bring some things to the table, shall we say, that I'm not okay with, that I couldn't deal with. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I'm a big advocate for being picky in dating, being extremely picky. I want to underline that 18 times, extremely picky when it comes to who you invite into your life on a long-term basis. We're talking marriage, we're talking relationships. So I'm rambling now, I'm getting long-winded, but the point of it is I'm doing great. I'm feeling fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, and retroactive jealousy is really not an issue for me anymore because frankly, if it was, I wouldn't be doing this work. I wouldn't be recording this video right now because there's nothing in the world that's worth going through retroactive jealousy again, as you probably know if you're watching this video. Thanks for listening to the Zachary Stockhill podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. To learn more about my work on jealousy, relationships, and more, please check out my YouTube channel at Zachary Stockhill. For information about my online courses, books, and coaching service, please visit my website at retroactivejealousy.com.